Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for stopping by the channel once again this evening it is tuesday night titans for your tuesday september 12th 2023 i am your host jd from new york as always on my end coming to you from my beloved ots beer garden joined by my co-host on tuesday nights my very good friend andrew baydala how you doing man yeah i've been better I know, man. I'm not. Listen, man. I am not an evil individual, man. I'm not going to mention what happened last night because oh, okay. I know you don't I mean, want to hear. Could, it. Listen, listen I know everyone perceives you as evil. We could talk about it. I, 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 we already got some super chats in here because everybody knows you're a Jets fan. But uh, man, I am a that's... tormented soul. Man, I don't and know. You want to know what? Here's the deal, right? I'll say this. I think I fell in love with professional wrestling when I was like seven or eight because my team sucked that I watched growing up: the Jets, the Mets. And the Islanders, and I could pick somebody to root for that would eventually win a world championship, and those yeah. would be wrestlers. Now, that's entertainment, and this is real life sports, quote unquote. And it's crazy how you let your feelings or emotions uh, be, you know, dictated by things you can't control. Um, men or women playing a sport. I have moved on from the situation, but. Um, it was just one of those things where it's like looking so forward to this season and then it's just taken away from you. So, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I know how that feels, man. You know, I actually have matured a lot over the years because I was that same exact way when the Braves, especially when the Braves and the Yankees were in the World Series in 96 and then in 99. I mean, man, I fucking, I hated everybody, man. Everybody was just ragging on me. I just hated everybody. I was hoping the Mets and Yankees would fucking perish in the mm -hmm. years to follow, man, it was it was awful, man. I I don't like feeling that way. And, and now that I'm 41, I don't really feel that way anymore. And if the Braves end up losing this year, I'll be like, yeah, you know what, whatever. We do. We had a great year. We'll come back next year. But um, as far as far as what you are dealing with with the Jets, man, I know you uh, are big into football and, and all the analytics and all that. Do they have a, Do they have any plans to follow what happened last night? Um, any scoops or anything? Anything? anything I mean, I can tell you that I. I could tell you that. I mean, I knew the Achilles was torn, and no, not because I'm a doctor or anything else like that, but I was told the Achilles was torn this morning um, right after he got his MRI. Uh, Scoop-wise, I know that they've contacted other quarterbacks. Um, Tom Brady has not been contacted from what I know, and I don't even think they're going to express interest in him. Um, but no, there's no scoops there. I, I just think the Jets are going to run with Zach Wilson because he's part of the system that's in here right now. And I just don't think there's a better option out there. They passed on Carr. They passed on Garoppolo. This is not a football podcast by, or and television show by any stretch of the imagination here. But the Jets are in the situation because the Jets went all in with Aaron Rodgers and his plan, his coaches, his players, all that other stuff. So this is the situation they're in. And this is this is it. Well, why do I why do I see a lot of Colin Kaepernick? And Cam Newton. I'm not knocking either of those gentlemen because they were uh, very good quarterbacks at one point in time. Cam is probably closer to an NFL return than Kaepernick will ever be yeah. because Colin hasn't played a snap in seven years. Yeah. So unfortunately, like I just think that's a 
a crazy stat to throw out there. But I mean, you could give him a workout, but realistically, like, I just don't think capture answer. Yeah, oh, man. Listen, man, I feel, I feel for the Jets fans, man. I really do. I have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, close personal people to me that are Giants fans, but uh, e- even they were reeling from last night's uh, uh, news. But uh, hopefully, uh, listen, man, you got to win. Hopefully uh, they can continue that momentum without him. And uh, I know a lot of people in this chat are watching the game last night. They were watching the game last night when I was live for Monday Night Raw. I heard about it all last night. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But, you know, good luck to the New York Jets, man. And uh, I know we got a lot to talk about here, man. Um, it was a big day. I mean, bro, truthfully, in the world of you know, it, sports it, it's, entertainment. Yeah, it's it's something that I, don't, I, I, and I said this on social media, something that I genuinely didn't think that we'd see, uh, especially as long as we are going to be alive. Like, everybody kind of makes fun or pokes fun that Vince McMahon's going to fucking die in the chair. And that's exactly how uh, I feel it's going to end up. And the sale with Endeavor was finalized today. They were all over Wall Street. And TKO is now a ticker on the New York Stock Exchange. Sale was finalized today, and it's going to be a very interesting next few months. Uh, I'll start off with this, Drew, and I know... You know, Nick Khan was making the rounds, and Nick Khan was doing his uh, his best to answer the questions that everybody has uh, burning on their minds. But the news coming out of Monday Night Raw last night, and I know you probably don't find this to be big news, but I just find it, you know, to be uh, exactly how I envisioned it going. Vince McMahon made several changes to Monday Night Raw last night. So I posed the first question to you because this is the biggest story of the day. Is Vince McMahon's power going to grow over the next few months to a point where we start seeing him take the reins slowly but surely over Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown? Because I found I found it very weird that you know he poked his nose back into the career of yesterday again, and now with the sale, I just have this fear that he's going to become this uh, this Super Saiyan, this this uh, this entity that can't be stopped, and he's going to take full reign over what he lost earlier last summer. I, you know, the only time that I truly believe Vince McMahon was away from things is when the um, stockholders and shareholders made him step away yeah. due to the investigation that was brought uh, against him, him being Vince McMahon. So uh, Vince has never lost creative control or power over certain entities and or uh, stars. So, no. and I don't think this was ever going to change. That's why Vince merged with Endeavor. That's why UFC is now merged with WWE and Ari Emanuel and Vince McMahon did business together so that Vince McMahon was not shown the door. I think there's a lot of things that Vince McMahon has wanted to accomplish in his professional career, and he has accomplished every single one of them, whether we like it or not. And do I think Vince's creative is outdated and it sucks at times? Yes. Is it the same formula at times, rinse and repeat? Yes. But at the end of the day, I think Vince has finally checked off his last checklist here on it, you know, the last check mark on his checklist. And I think he's going to see this one through for as long as he needs to. Uh, he got a SmackDown on network television. WWE TV is on network television. That was one of the biggest things. WWE went public years back. That yeah. was another big thing. WWE uh, Network. I mean, WWE when that network. when that launched, man, I, I think that was the most excited I've been in, in years before that, that moment. Honestly. He talked about that in 1993, yeah. guys. 1993, Vince was calling things the WWE Network. Like He's a visionary, whether you like him or not. WrestleMania is now in stadiums. Cities are bidding on them. Now their premium live events are being bid on by different cities and countries and everything else like that. This was the last checkbox, and I think he checked it, he being Vince McMahon. So 
I think Vince is going to stick around as long as he physically can. And I also do believe that Vince um, has really never relinquished any sort of creative control when it comes to certain individuals or talents. Is it going to get old for the fans to see these reports where Vince is making changes left and right? It's old and, then, for me. And, and, and then Triple H is making changes left and right. Don't you think at some point it's going to become a clashing of, of styles and a clashing of worlds if Vince is booking half the show and Triple H is booking half the show and they're doing what they want? It's it's almost as if there's no team, you know, consistency there. Everybody should be on the same page, but I don't think that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, I think, you know, um, there's a couple of good comments here. One of them is the, I think it's the chat bot or night bot. And it's, I've seen it for like weeks. It's like, don't let anybody fool you. Vince is still in charge. So that's one of the things I want to touch on. He is, he hasn't left. I mean, he's not in full control. The full reign is not Vince McMahon's. And to your question and to your point, it's been like this with the Triple H, Vince McMahon, Paul Levesque thing for a while now. Yeah. Uh, Triple H and Michael Hayes and Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon have certain things split up where they lead this and Vince and Bruce and maybe even Kevin Dunn um, on certain aspects lead things there. Kevin Dunn is the reason why Cody Rhodes is uh, produced the way Cody Rhodes is. So the whole whoa and everything else like that, that's all Kevin Dunn. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are just not, you know, um, the, the war between Triple H and Vince McMahon, I don't think there's a war. I think it's just kind of divided. Vince is doing, you know, the bloodline stuff and I believe some of the Brock stuff. And I think he'll oversee some things that he wants to see uh, done. Um, I know everyone thinks that Nia Jax was part of the Vince McMahon thing. I cannot confirm or deny that, but I know that Nia was back a while before this. Well, I, I think Sap reported that. And I do, and I do think it's Sap. If, if, if it's not, I, I, I apologize. But I do think I read last night that Sap reported that Vince was the one who signed off on Nia Jax coming back. And somehow he had to, uh, I guess, Triple H factor her into plans. Yeah. Which, and that's which, I mean, we'll talk H's about that job. a little bit later. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I don't find that to be a fucking positive at all for the women's division. But what, what is he going to do? If Vince wants something, no. what is he going to do? Right. And the thing here is that, you know, um, Dana runs UFC. Ari Emanuel doesn't step into... That type of stuff. There's the, the, the big thing about TKO is the business side of things. Like, yeah. that's what the big thing is here. And Vince is going to do the WWE stuff with his other people that are surrounding him. And Anaya Jack's return does scream Vince McMahon, no doubt about it. And then it's Triple H's job to fit her into the plans. And a lot of people might not like it. Was it my cup of tea? No. But Rhea has literally decimated everybody on that Raw roster. So this is a, you know, a new opponent for her who she's going to overcome, her being Rhea. So... We'll see what happens, but is it something that's groundbreaking? Am I excited for the return? Not yet, and not really, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. So. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll touch upon Nia Jax a little bit later. Uh, this WWE sale thing has kind of overtaken everybody's uh, discussion well, yeah. in the IWC. Everyone, uh, and, and like you said, Ari Emanuel has already talked about uh, the business side of things, first and foremost. He's already talked about cost cutting. He's already talked about budget cuts. Um, I know for a fact that there are certain departments in WWE that will no longer exist. Uh, when that will be, it could be this week, it could be next week, it could be next month, we don't know. But they're not going to need a marketing department if they have a marketing department of their own over on Endeavor. They're not going to need a social media department if Endeavor has their own social media department, so on and so forth. So uh, I hope that those folks that work in Stanford out of Titan Tower have been given, and they have been given enough time to go and go look elsewhere and apply to jobs elsewhere. They saw the writing on the wall, and they 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 have an easy out if they want it. If they didn't really 
enjoy or see where this was going, and they didn't want to be a part of it. But obviously, we're going to see those divisions cut. Does this affect the active roster? Do we see budget cuts going down the line on the active roster? Because I know once upon a time, WWE was not frugal at all about spending money. I mean, they were throwing out bombs to keep uh, some talent. And the reason why they did that is to keep them away from AEW. I think FTR was making, I don't know, I don't know what the ridiculous number was that they threw out to FTR before they signed with AEW. I think it was like 800000 900000 I mean, the OC was making like $900,000 per each guy. It's like they can't be giving out those contracts anymore. So do you see with Ari Emanuel talking about budget cuts, does that affect the active roster on top of what we know in Titan Tower? I don't think that you will see uh, like as much slashing as you guys are, you know, talking about. And I'm not talking about you, JD. I'm talking about what I see all over the internet. Yeah. Um, I do believe that the spending. I don't think the spending is going to be capped in any way, shape, or form. I, I think the downside guarantees have changed, um, and what that means is that you know guys were guaranteed a certain amount of money. That's all changing for a certain amount of dates per merch, everything else like that. So um, that's all changing. The big ticket, you know, um, draws like Roman and Brock and everything else like that, they, they're not going to mess with their money. They're going to continue to pay. They might even get a little more. Uh, guys like, you know, Gallows and Anderson, who I think were making about 925. Yeah. Um, do I see them making that type of money again? Probably not. But here's what's going to be so appealing to talent. It's like, hey, listen, you want to be part of this? Or do you want to go over there? And, you know, maybe. And that's yeah. what's appealing to, about WWE right now is WWE's doing record business. So we'll see. Um, the department stuff, yeah, you're right. The only difference is, is that I don't think Endeavor and UFC are going to ever have the same model that WWE has, even though UFC does run like one show a week, one event a week sometimes. And there's a pay-per-view, I believe, once a month or maybe once every like 21 days. But WWE's live every week, twice a week. Yep. And then they're in Orlando once a week. So the production team isn't going anywhere, but I do believe your live event department, marketing, stuff like that, I think that was a really good point, will probably be absorbed. Yeah, yeah, and that was the next uh, bullet point I had here, the fan experience live at mm -hmm. Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I guess you basically answered uh, the next talking point. The fan experience for Raw and SmackDown is not going to really change much at all because there's no reason for Endeavor to mess with an already good thing. The WWE production's top-notch, and the product right now depending on who you talk to. I mean, the creative could always be better. The, the creative is kind of lacking here and there, but I mean, they're selling out venues. They're selling out stadiums left and right. It's the hot, it's the hot money ticket. So they don't really need to make any changes. And I think Endeavor kind of knows that. Yeah. I think Endeavor is going to let WWE do what WWE does. It's just going to be a more fine tuned, well-oiled machine. Um, and yeah. I think that's, you know, when you have this many heads of business in a group, TKO, you know, Ari, Vince, Nick, Khan, uh, Dana White, all these other, there's a couple other guys on that, like board of directors stuff. Those are some really, really smart businessmen. And I believe there's a woman on there as well, or will be a woman soon. So uh, I, I am excited for the future with what this uh, means. Um, my wallet might not be excited because I do believe that, we're going to see some changes in the streaming models and everything else like that, which we'll talk about. But um, the biggest thing that I, that seemed to make headlines here everywhere, JD, uh, which I'll ask you is uh, Nick Khan's kind of nonchalant answer about CM Punk. In my opinion, he gave, cause he was asked and I believe he kind of gave a non-answer truthfully. Um, Nick was asked by uh, 
Mark Romaldi from ESPN, I believe, or Sports Illustrated. I believe it's ESPN. Yeah, but ESPN. listen, yeah, he said, listen, we only have respect. being Nick Khan. Look, we don't, listen, we only have respect for Phil. We appreciate his run here. We appreciate what he did and tried to do with the UFC. Named both companies. Not many people could actually get in there and do what he did. So we have respect for Phil. We wish him nothing but the best. And people took this as like, well, he didn't bash him, so he's definitely going to WWE. And in my opinion, what he did, he being Nick Khan, was he basically just said, he gave you the most PC answer he probably could and avoided the question at all. And that was it. And basically said, you know, well, maybe, who knows? I don't know. I don't, but, or, or you could take this as, we wish him nothing but the best, but we have no interest in, in Phil. So you could take it either way. I mean, but I don't think he gave anybody anything. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I've seen a couple of people saying that Nick Khan buried him and, and CM Punk is not even employed there. Like, I didn't get a sense of Nick Khan burying CM Punk in any, in any which way. Um, a, I appreciate Romaldi for even asking the question because that's a ballsy fucking question to somebody like Nick Khan. Somebody's got to ask the hard-hitting uh, question. Somebody's got to ask it, yes. Yeah, so that is a very ballsy question, especially to somebody, uh, the power of Nick Khan. But what I think he did was answer it, like you said, in the most poli politically correct way, and he left the door open. It wasn't a yes, it wasn't a no. Uh, I don't think he you know, spoke ill will of CM Punk in any way. I think people are decoding this and diving too deep into it, making it out to be something that it's not. Um, you know, I would not be surprised, Drew, to see, to see CM Punk take a fucking big money deal from WWE. I, I would not. You know, I, I'm, I'm actually secretly hoping that he does because as a content creator, I mean, I'm going to feast all over that. Right. But what I'm worried about is if Phil takes the fucking money how much of a hypocrite he's going to be and, and wipe away everything that he said for the last fucking 10 years. I mean, to me, I don't think you could put a price tag on that. And I do think CM Punk is going to take a big money payday if WWE does indeed offer him one. And I would tend to agree. I, I think that money talks and bullshit walks. It really depends on what CM Punk wants to do. I think the ball is going to be in WWE's court here, which is interesting um, because I truly believe that Phil Brooks, CM Punk would take a return to WWE if it's offered to him. It's all a matter of whether WWE wants to saddle up that horse again. And I'm not sure yeah. they do. I think that was kind of the vibe that I got from that um, answer from Nick Khan. It was kind of like, well, you know, we wish him the best and we'll see what happens. Basically, like, if he really wanted to say, hey, why wouldn't we want a guy like that on our roster? I think Nick would have said that. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Endeavor stepping in uh, with something like that, a decision like that? I mean, it's, Sam Punk's not going to come cheap. You think Endeavor, who... You know, Ari Emanuel talked about budget cuts and cost cutting. You know, is that something that you see Endeavor getting involved in? Because I, I think, you know, a big decision like that, I think Ari Emanuel, who owns 51% of the company now, making those types of decisions, I think it would be common sense that he would. And does the complaints and the history of complaints about UFC fighter pay kind of creep into something like that when? You know, there are complaints on that end, but here they are signing CM Punk to a fucking $4 million deal and giving him a WrestleMania endorsement to wrestle, you know, a big name at WrestleMania. I mean, that, that, don't you think that's a conflict of interest at some point? To a certain extent. I think they're two different business entities, and I think they'll be run as such. Now, obviously, you know, you could, we've had this. I mean, people could say, hey, Brock Lesnar's making six million bucks a year, but you know he wasn't making that in UFC. I think it's all about the drawing power of said person, said yeah. fighter, said sports entertainer. You know, uh, Conor McGregor's making a boatload of money in UFC. Once you establish yourself as a name in UFC, you got to get paid because if you don't, if if they're not going to pay you, then you don't fight. That's the difference here. Truthfully, um, it's two separate entities. Uh, one is the fight game, 
and one is the sports entertainment business. So, you know, it, all of a sudden you build yourself a good, you know, win loss record, JD, and in, in mixed martial arts to get signed by the UFC, your first fight, you're not going to make a million bucks out of the gate. CM Punk had a lucrative UFC deal because he was CM fucking punk guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, Brock Lesnar came over because he was Brock Lesnar, you know, Randy Couture back in the day could have went to WWE and made a boatload of money. Look at Floyd Mayweather. Uh, money Mayweather made a ton of money in boxing and then made a quick payday with WWE. It's all about your name value. JD is not pulling in, you know, um, four viewers. The man's got, you know, I believe we're at what? Almost 2000, 1665 right now. So JD will get paid differently than Joe Schmo from Ron Konkuma. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. It's so, 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 so talent like Cameron Grimes, when they're a free agent, isn't going to be getting uh, mega money deals. And, you know, who's to say L.A. Knight, how far apart WWE and L.A. Knight are on money? That's the big story there with him. I mean, all of it's going to depend on seniority, strong power, star power, what you've done within the WWE family. I mean, a lot of these different factors are going to come into play when someone's going to have to get paid at the end of their contract. Right. And basically what we're seeing right now from what I, I believe it was, um, uh, I want to say it was Sean Ross Sapp and Fightful. Um, it seems as if, you know, Prince Nana was re-signed by AEW and yeah. it seems like LA Knight and WWE are working on a contract extension worth a lot of money because LA Knight's making a lot of money for WWE with his merch. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, man. You know, you, you got guys like LA Knight, you got talent out there like Edge. Drew McIntyre has been a highly... Uh, you know, controversial figure as far as what he's going to do next. You know, who's to say that WWE is going to be handing out big money contracts to keep this talent? Who's to say that Endeavor's not going to step in and say, hey, well, well, wait a minute, you know, we want to cost, you know, cut here. You know, I don't think this guy's worth worth uh, so-and-so money. You know, it's going to be very interesting to follow because at one point or another, you would think that, oh, WWE is going to just throw money at a Drew McIntyre to keep someone like Drew McIntyre or an edge on the roster. I don't think it's going to be that willing anymore. So, um, you know, when a CM Punk becomes a free agent, you know, that obviously takes it up a notch and you're going to talk to and have discussions with CM Punk first and foremost, before you talk to uh, a fucking Drew McIntyre or or an edge, I would believe. Well, I, I would agree with you. I mean, that's like, um, you know, with the example we were using when we kicked off the show, Aaron Rodgers was the Jets' number one priority because he's Aaron friggin' Rodgers. Yeah. So I, I think if, if CM Punk is viewed as priority number one, then he's going to get pushed to the top of the list. And I think this is where that board of directors from TKO will have that discussion. And if Ari Manuel and Endeavor is willing to foot the bill, um, I you know, it's all obviously one now. But if Ari Manuel's like, this is what I want, can we get this done? And the locker room is accepting of it. Yeah, I think it gets done. It's just a matter of uh, how much and for how long. Everybody's going to want to make some money. Obviously, UFC is a money-making machine. Nick Khan was brought in to make as much money for WWE as humanly possible. I know you uh, mentioned it briefly earlier, and I do have a feeling, just like you, that WWE is going to end up adopting the same package as UFC, meaning that you're going to have to pay a subscription service, whatever that fee is, $9.99, $10.99, $11.99, ESPN, Disney, whatever the case may be, wherever WWE ends up. And then you're going to pay premium price for their premium live events. Now, I, I, I think paying $60 for a fucking fast lane or backlash is a little outlandish. And I think people will find other means to watch these shows, meaning <laughs> legal streaming. But, right. um, you know, it, it's going to be a situation 
where WWE, when they leave Peacock, Drew, that I, I do have a feeling that we're going to see them adopt the same UFC model. And I don't think the fans are going to take nicely to that situation, but that's where Nick Khan's going to go. And, and I do think that's what's coming for WWE. So I think that the, I've, I've never really said this publicly, but I'll say it here and this might make waves. I think, um, shout out to the 1808 watching right now. Let's get that to uh, 2000. I think WWE has saw this move years down the road. And I think what they've done, they being WWE is they've kind of programmed us to always have these pay-per-views premium live events are at our disposal at no extra cost. And now when this Peacock deal expires. We're going to still buy some of us because it's just what we're trained to do. Right. You could, it's been proven. You could train the human brain to see these pay-per-views and more of these premium live events and want to see them. So, you know, we're going to shell out $64.99. I won't. I'll split it with somebody, or maybe I'll just say not for me, like you just said, and people will. That's one approach they could take. I think it's a mistake. I think WWE should sell all of its B-level pay-per-views and a television rights deal, whether it's NXT or it's SmackDown to a Disney or a Prime um video so that you could still get the b-level pay-per-views for uh you know that package price that's how i would keep it ufc and the wwe business model can differ in this way wwe can put its major five at a premium price 50 bucks a month and i'll split it with somebody for 25 a month absolutely yeah. you know for the major five but if you're going to ask me to shell out you know 35 bucks even in a split for a fast lane and the card is you know next to nothing no thanks yeah, um, I absolutely agree with what you said. And I know I talked about this uh, a few months back when this was a topic of discussion. You know, from a, a fan perspective, because Drew and I are both obviously fans of WWE, you know, coming from me, who's watched the product since I was four years old, I would have no problem shelling out to buy WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble or a SummerSlam because you you know what you're going to get. And I think WWE has done good by the fans to make those events for the first time in a while, WrestleMania excluding, but WrestleMania usually is all hype and, and all fluff with the card. Uh, I felt like this year was the first year in many, many, many years where they actually delivered with the hype and the card. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, and their international endeavors have all delivered this year. So I would have no problem shelling out a 50, 60, 70 dollars on an ESPN Plus to watch those major four or five shows. Now, I would agree that if you're going to move Fastlane and these other B-level pay-per-views to another streaming service, I think that would be the ideal situation, and I hope WWE does venture down that path. But the thing is, if they are going to charge for everything, which is a huge possibility, the creative is going to need to be upped significantly to offset the price of these shows because I can't see how they, they, they warrant a $70 price tag for a fucking six-match show that basically feels like a three-hour Monday Night Raw. Nobody's going to want to do that. Even if, you right. know, like you do, you split with your friends and you got people over, you know, even at that, it's still asking a lot. Well, and I agree with you. And I think, again, how I would handle this, if I was in charge of this stuff, like I said, I would sell my B-level pay-per-views, the non-WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, and let's just throw Money in the Bank or whatever stadium show internationally they're going to do. Um, on a, you know, $69.99 type of pay-per-view stuff. The B-level stuff, you cannot ask, in my opinion, you you can, but I don't think you'll see a massive return to ask fans to spend $69.99 or $59.99 
or a fast lane, a payback, et cetera, et cetera. Not to mention, again, guys and girls, the business model is different here. I understand that UFC and Endeavor and you know ESPN Plus kind of have this deal, but you could bet on UFC. It's the fight game. People can make money off of that. It is a big fight feel every time somebody has a fight in the UFC. There's so many different divisions. They don't have network television weekly that is or even on cable, that is storyline-driven. This is two completely separate entities of business, and I think WWE will treat their product as such because they know their fan base better than Endeavor and UFC. And I think, again, SummerSlam and WrestleMania might be the first two that they separate from the rest of their pay-per-views, and maybe they keep the rest together. Um, That would be my uh, suggestion. That would be my business plan. I would not take every pay-per-view, a premium live event, off of whatever streaming platform we're on and try and get fans to pay for it. It's not going to work. Yeah. I, we, we have a ways away with that. I think Peacock and the WWE partnership ends in 2025. And then I think uh, UFC and ESPN ends in 2026. So I, I, I don't know what's going to happen or maybe vice versa. One or the other, it, it's like a year apart, but we still have a ways away. We got all this year. We got all next year. And then 2025 Peacock and WWE will enter negotiations. If they stay, if they go, um, I, I do want to ask you about mm-hmm. the, News that WWE may not be with Fox next year. Have you heard any rumblings about that? Because I've seen, you know, some heavy discussion on on social media today that people are insinuating that WWE is not going to be picked up by Fox. Fox, I think Nick Khan is looking for three billion, something along those lines, which he's going to end up getting no matter what. If Fox is not going to give it to him, Nick Khan's going to get it somewhere else. But I think what started all this conversation off was that Ryan Satin's podcast was canceled. And something like that dropped out of nowhere, which is a Fox affiliate, is being looked at as a bad sign between WWE and Fox's partnership. What do you make of that? Um, you know, I don't think Ryan Satin's podcast or anything else will have a direct correlation in terms of... Well, maybe of... he just sucks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do... <laughs> I said I do, it. I, my, 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 my opinions are my opinions, not Drew's. So I just wanted I, to get that out I, there. I think that... Um, I think that what we're seeing is Nick is going to be the savvy businessman, Nick Khan, that he always has been, and he's going to get the most value for his entity. And his entity right now is SmackDown, which ends in the uh, negotiate or the TV streaming deal. The rights deal ends in October of 2024. So I truly believe that in the window opens soon. So I believe that it, if Fox comes with the biggest offer, Nick will go and WWE will go back to uh, Fox. But if Disney and Amazon prime who I've seen have been rumored, want to get into the streaming game netflix uh they have loved the success of what they've done with quarterback and all this other stuff they were heavily linked into possibly getting the well NFL i mean Sunday let's ticket. be real i mean if, if uh they want to get into the streaming service uh their love is blind experiment was a fucking failure man i don't know right. they gotta they gotta they got fix that shit asap right um so i mean i i do believe there'll be multiple suitors for wwe three billion is a heavy price tag yeah. depends on how long the deal is for uh, but what did they get last time? They got a lot of money. So I think it was five million a year or something like that, right? Yeah, twenty-five million a year. Oh, well, they, so. They're making a billion from Fox, right? What is it? Right. A billion from Fox. They're making a billion from NBCU. They're making right. near a billion with the Saudis. That's three million in revenue right there. Uh, right. So he wants to go from one billion to three billion. I mean, how does he justify going from one billion to three million? I mean, yeah, the ratings on SmackDown have been great, but that's yeah. when Roman is there. When Roman's not there, I mean. 
the show really doesn't feel the same at all. I mean, it's down, downright unwatchable, to, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I mean, they got $205 million, um from Fox a year for yeah. SmackDown. So that's, I mean, I could see them getting anywhere from four to $500 million a year for um, one year. So it'd be interesting to see what they do there. Um, $3 billion is, man, it's going to be tough. But, I mean, if they could get a six-year deal, yeah, I think they get it done. Yeah. Does this... Does this up the ante for AEW? You think because Nikon wants to do three billion, maybe he gets two billion, maybe he gets two point five. If he gets to three billion, maybe. Uh, I, does does this up the ante for AEW? Do they get the money that they're seeking as well because WWE is going to get it? I think that it's kind of like when a sports contract happens for a position. You know, um, you, a quarterback gets, you know, Joe Burrow gets whatever guaranteed. Patrick Mahomes is going to want something close to that when his contract's up. I think you know if. If AEW um, could see what WWE is going to get, I think that's beneficial to them so that they could be like, well, hey, they got this. And I understand we're not WWE, but we're still pulling in this type of ratings. And again, I for everything that AEW and people want to slam on them for, they're still doing really good ratings. Uh, it's not what you would want. You would don't see the, the growth and everything else like that that you would like to see. But time after time, it's a consistent audience. And yes, it's the same audience, but it's still consistent which is hard to do in today's television landscape. So I think AEW will be just fine with their, with their, you know, their deal whenever they do get it. Do I think it's going to be massive? I'm not sure on that, but I mean, a million well, without million. punk there now. I mean, it's really up in the air, honestly. Listen, I think if AEW gets 365 million for uh, a year, yeah. Um, I mean, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot. So I, do I think they could get a hundred million dollars a year for five years and get a $500 million deal? Yeah. I think that's possible. They could maybe even get one fifty and maybe break into the 700, $700 million television yeah. deal. I don't think AEW is getting a billion dollars, but I could be wrong. Yeah. We will, uh, obviously keep a, a close eye on that. That's how that, that's also coming up very soon as well. Uh, another money, making endeavor here mentioned by Nick Condrew was the fact that WWE and UFC potentially are going to be holding some events in the same city on the same weekend. He says TKO could bring the two promotions to tourism authorities as a package deal and get mm -hmm. paid to bring both to a jurisdiction. Site fees have already become a revenue stream for UFC and WWE. Now that's a smart move because I know, like you mentioned earlier, WWE, I believe, with Backlash, they got paid from the Tourism Bureau in Puerto Rico, $1.5 million. Uh, I don't know what they paid for Cardiff, or Cardiff paid for WWE. I know WrestleMania, WrestleMania's bid on, Royal Rumble's now being bid on, SummerSlam's bid on. I mean, ju just by the pay-per-view uh, uh, name that WWE holds with some of their major shows that have been 20, 30 years, Drew, I mean, this is a fucking no-brainer. Oh, I mean, it's uh, it's 100% a no-brainer, and here's the deal. You know, uh, UFC 296, I believe, is in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, and that's in December. I don't know if they've announced where 297 is going to be. Um, I would assume that that would maybe be in January. Um, maybe 298 uh, is in a location next to the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, that's attractive destination. Maybe the rumble's headed to Florida, for instance, and maybe we're going to have fight night or a pay-per-view, uh, Saturday and the Royal rumble on a Sunday. Yeah. I like that. I mean, that's a big deal think, there. I, yeah. And I think, you know, you could attract some fans there. I think some will just come in for the WWE show. Maybe they pass on the UFC fight 
And then you have some who are just there and they're like, want to be entertained again. Let's go Sunday. You know, I'm going to, maybe the adults have a night out on Saturday night at the UFC fight. And then they take their kids to WWE on Sunday. Yeah. It's smart business. Uh, what, and they don't know if it's going to work or not. So they'll have to see. I know that there was a lot of burnout in terms of like fan, um, you know, overage and, and, and the fans like return business for that backlash pay-per-view, even though they were packed. And I believe there was something else that WWE had two nights in a row. Was it a um, Money in the Bank? Yeah, they were in London back to back, right? Yeah, yeah, it was SmackDown and then uh, Money in the Bank. Yeah, which both sold well, but yeah. there was some burnout in terms of like fans where they felt like it was just a lot. So yeah, and we'll uh, we'll talk about burnout too because that's a bit that's a big topic of discussion uh, as it pertains to AEW and what they have coming up uh, here in New York City for Grand Slam. Uh, more money-making uh, ventures here for TKO, Drew. I, I do believe, now this is just me speaking. I don't know how you feel about this. More sponsored matches. I do think that we're going to get more sponsored matches with WWE, uh, especially now being partnered with Endeavor, like Cinematos Crunch, Mountain Dew, uh, and whatever else they want to shill out there. I know they got the big logos during matches. I think it was Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez at the last pay-per-view, that cinnamon toast crunch everywhere, and then obviously, you know, the Bray Wyatt and LA Knight match of the Royal Rumble, the Mountain Dew pitch black. You know, do we start to see more sponsored matches? Do we start to see advertisements on the ring mat like uh, WCW used to do? I know AEW does it with DraftKings and so on and so forth. Maybe maybe some advertisements on wrestlers' gear. I know Brock Lesnar was a big Jimmy John's guy, and he had a bunch of different advertisements on his shorts. Do we start to see more of that, and do you think that if it does happen, the wrestlers would get a cut out of that? I think brand integration is um, going to be more prevalent here in both companies. It's really prevalent in UFC right now. I mean, it's right in your face. It's everywhere. It's on the mat. It's on the cage. It's everywhere. Yeah. I think you could start to see some of that with uh, WWE. Um, do I, you know, the Cinnamon Toast Crunch match we saw at Payback between, it was sponsored, the Mysterio Austin Theory match. So I think that we're going to see more of that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just they're going to pop a logo on and, yeah. They'd be able to get a commercial and a clip from it and everything else like that. So, yeah, I think that's not going to go away. Do I see wrestlers coming out with sponsored gear? It's Maybe. something to think about, to be quite honest yeah. with you. I mean, it's not that far-fetched. No, and, I, you know, I, it's a it's a great marketing and business uh, cross-promotional stuff. I, I never thought we'd see advertisements on hockey jerseys in the NHL, and they have them. So, yeah. possible. Very, very possible. Do we see integration from UFC talent on WWE TV and WWE talent on Absolutely. UFC TV? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. You will see John Jones at WWE events. You might even see him special referee or something to that extent. You will see Connor. You'll and the vice versa. You'll see WWE talent sitting front row at UFC events. Uh maybe some WWE talent will walk some UFC guys out to the cage or girls. We've already seen that, so it's going to be more prevalent now. It's going to be that's the word of the day, ladies and gentlemen, prevalent. Yeah. But it's going to be more in your face uh, now more than ever because now it's one pot and one bag of money. Do I know some fans are living in a fantasy realm? Yeah, I don't really see much of the show changing. I wish it would change for the better. Uh, I, I would like to see a little bit more uh, adult style content on WWE programming. But possible. I know we're not going to get that. It is possible, but I don't think we're going to get it. What I mean by that, Drew, and a lot of people feel like you know, being that WWE is now merging with UFC, it's got the potential to be a little bit more adult. Maybe we see more blood. Maybe we see a little bit more physicality, a little bit more adult-themed uh, situations. Uh, do you see WWE adopting any more of a harder style uh, with Endeavor or 
like I said, of the fans living in a fantasy realm, thinking that this is all possibility. I think it's a fantasy, and but it's also a reality. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. I think the fantasy is if you think you're going to see this on Raw and SmackDown, that's not happening. You yeah. want to know why? Because they have sponsors that sponsor the television uh, shows, and they also need to adhere to guidelines so that they could be a um, cross, you know, that they could hit every age demographic. They don't want to, uh, you know, um, seclude themselves from something whether it be the 18 to 49 or something else, they're going to try and appeal to the masses um, and they have sponsorships and they're publicly traded. So no, do I think the television product for raw SmackDown will have more blood and guts? No, your premium live events though. I think all bets are off. Truthfully. Well, I, I mean, if you're charging 64 99 for a premium live event, I mean, I think we kind of uh, as a fan base deserve that type of style and that harder edge. Now I know they're still going to have their sponsors. They're going to have their Mattel sponsorships. They're going to have their Connor cures and, you know, the, the Cancer Awareness Month in October and all these other things that they got going on throughout the year. I mean, they don't want to ruffle any of those feathers, but I, I no. think if you're charging sixty four ninety nine for a show, I think I want to see a little color in my matches. Yeah, and again, um, you know, we have 2,022 people watching this right now, and they're here to be entertained. So what I want is to be entertained as well. So if you want me to shell out 50 bucks to watch a show... I want to be entertained, but we've kind of been away from the whole blood and gut stuff from WWE for a while. And when it happens now, it's like, holy shit, what's going on? So do I think it happens on premium live events? Absolutely. Do I think it happens on television? No, I do not. Um, Raw is from eight to 11. SmackDown is from eight to 10, you know? Uh, no. And, and it's on network TV and the other ones on NBCU USA network. No, uh -uh. they can't afford it. Yeah, I, I, I don't see Vince wanting to do that. And he's going to be the end-all, be-all. Like I mentioned in the beginning of this discussion, you know, I, I feel like with Vince now finally getting what he wants and we are seeing history made here because we all thought at one point or another, Vince would kind of give the company to his family. Triple H and Stephanie would be in charge. Shane McMahon would be in charge. Some mixture of the three would be running WWE after Vince is gone. And in closing here with the whole Endeavor WWE talk, I just feel like, you know, and, and it's not a doom and gloom with me. I've been kind of conditioning you guys and I've been following the Vince McMahon narrative the entire time. I, I do feel like as it pertains to him, I'm not concerned about what Endeavor is going to do with WWE because like Drew said, I don't think they're going to get their hands dirty and they're going to leave WWE to be run by the people that are running WWE. What I don't trust is Vince McMahon. And you can sit there and tell me that I got a boner for Vince McMahon and, he, and, and they got Vince McMahon dancing in my head. I feel like at the end of the day, you know, it's not going to happen immediately. I just feel like things are going to get worse before they start to get better. And I feel well, like he's going to he's going to rear his ugly head. And I feel like he's just going to blow shit up because now, Drew, I feel like he's untouchable. After what he went through, now he's got Ari Emanuel. And the reason why he sold it to Ari Emanuel is because he knew that he was in a safe space with his good buddy for 22 years. I just feel like he's untouchable now and he can do whatever he wants because Ari Emanuel is going to let him do what he wants. He already said that the deal was not going to be made unless Vince McMahon was part of the package. That concerns me as a fan. Right. Um, so I would agree with you on a couple things. Um, first of all, there's a reason why a lot of the older talent call Vince McMahon invincible. Yeah. And that, I believe, was coined by Terry Bollea, Hulk Hogan. Um, and I believe what you said, Vince McMahon is Teflon. He's bulletproof. Yeah. Um, so... 
Uh, and it's crazy to think that, but he really is. Do I think that Vince McMahon is going to go absolutely nuts and like take back his company and stuff like that? There's always a possibility. I just don't see it. I think Vince McMahon is smart enough to understand that his creative genius days are probably a little behind him. He is still a very, very good promoter, marketer, and businessman who I think will help contribute on the board and with some acts in entertainment for WWE, the professional wrestling side of WWE and sports entertainment. But I don't, I think Vince McMahon sees when he is not in direct control of everything, how well the ticket sales are, how well the creative is. I, I think he stays out of um, the weeds as he liked to say, uh, he liked to coin the phrase, but I do think Vince is going to continue to oversee the bloodline, Brock Lesnar, Cody, um, yeah, probably Cody and some other things. I mean, you know, that's that's just what it is. Um, I would be concerned, too. If the product starts to really dip creatively, I think Ari Emanuel and that board will be quick to just be like, hey, Vince, this shit sucks. We need yeah. to go back to what we were doing or what you were doing six months ago because the product was through the roof. Now, do you so. think it's going to get to a point like that? Because how, how, do we know if they even know what goes on over there? Do they do they know about what happens on TV? Do they know of anything that happens on Raw and SmackDown? Is it going to get to a point where they're going to have to get involved? And do they know how to get involved? Well, I think they're going to look. The numbers never lie. So if the ticket sales are down and the ratings are down, they're going to say, what the hell is going on here? And then they'll probably start to pay more attention. I, I, I would assume, and I, I mean, I can't say this for a fact, but I would assume that, uh, Endeavor and Ari Manuel has people who are working for him watching this WWE product daily, uh, weekly, and trying to, you know, say like, hey, this, you know, this is good, this is bad, whatever. And I'm not, I'm sure they're not reporting to Vince McMahon or Paul Levesque, but I'm sure that they're, there's a department that is doing that. Um, but the numbers don't lie. Ticket sales, merch, uh, live event gates, television ratings. You know, last night, the WWE was going to get crushed. It's I mean, just the, the second lowest rating in the history of the show. It's yeah, Jets and Bills, 9-11, Monday Night Football, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers debut. I mean, you what are you gonna do? And they they re-debuted Nia Jax. Um, it wasn't like <laughs> normally the old Vince McMahon trick here is let's get all the legends out for a raw reunion and we'll trot out Sean Taker and Hulk and everybody else like that, and we'll pop a one six, one seven, and that'll be just fine. Maybe even a two. He didn't do that. Um, so no, I mean, yeah, I Again, um, I just think we need to give this a little time. Um, I hope that we don't see what we saw latter part of, you know, towards WrestleMania 36 and 37 because the creative was was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. Uh, getting into Monday Night Raw, I mean, that was most of the Endeavor stuff. Well, obviously... Uh, I have a question before we do this. Yeah, go ahead. I have a question for you. When this all started to... Tra- like, uh, let's ask you the originality here and the origins. When we had first heard that WWE was was going to be for sale or merged or whatever, because I just want to clarify, the WWE was has merged. They weren't... I mean, it's not really a sale. It's a merger. Yeah. So there's two different things. So what I will ask you is, when this all started to transpire, did you really ever think that this day was possible? That the McMahons would lose full control of their company besides Vince holding onto a piece of it. Because to me, I never saw it. I thought Vince and Shane, Stephanie and Linda and Paul Levesque would be running the show forever. So to you, is this day something that happened, you know, today uh, and yesterday, is this something that you ever saw coming? If you asked me this question two, three years ago, the answer would be no. The fact that, Vince did what he did and forced his way back onto the board of directors and did what he did to get back power in the company 
after being told to stay away because it was the best thing for the business. From that moment on in January, even December, it happened before that, I felt like that the sale was, the way we see it now, inevitable. Because I coined the phrase, it was never about, it was never about the sale of the company. Vince was going to sell to whoever kept him in ultimate power. And I do believe Vince has more power now than he had in June before he Absolutely. got ousted by the Wall Street Journal. And, and I feel like with, with everything that he's done, everything that he did was strategically just put out there. And he's got a great team of people, Jerry McDivitt uh, and all Kevin Dunner, all these other people. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. He stewed for June all the way in June, all the way to December. And, and this was this was calculated. This was like a fucking sniper on the rooftop waiting to pick his target off. And that's exactly what Vince McMahon did. And now you're seeing the result of it. So to answer your question, no, I'm not surprised. He sold 51% of the company to a friend of his that, he known, that he's known for over 20 years. If Vince wanted to sell the company, Drew, I do feel like Vince would have sold the company to, you know, a Disney or an NBCU, a Comcast, a Liberty Media, I heard was in discussions as well. Why didn't he sell to any of these other people? Because I feel that those people and those corporations would have told him, well, yeah, we want the WWE, but we don't want you in charge. We want Paul Levesque. We want your daughter in charge. And I, and I think that hurt Vince McMahon's feelings, and he stayed away from those people, and then he went to Ari Emanuel because he, he knew exactly what he was going to get there, and Ari was going to give him exactly what Vince wanted. So, no, I don't, I don't find this to be a surprise at all. Do you th was there any thought in your head that this was going to stay with Vince, Shane, Stephanie, that family? Or do you think this was just something that when, like you said, Vince got ousted, that this was his maniacal plan? Because Vince and the WWE has the financial responsibility to share to the highest bidder um, because of their shareholders. Yeah. So we, we'll never know what Saudi no, we'll never know. offered because realistically they didn't have a TV deal attached to it. They weren't based in the United States. So maybe WWE swung it to where it was like, well, you know, Endeavor has all of this already lock, stock, and barrel, and we could hit the ground running. With a Saudi investment firm, that's going to take some time. And they might have offered $20, $40 million, billion dollars more. Well, does Vince really want to get into business and, and get into bed with the Saudis? I mean, if he right. sold 51% of the company to the Saudis, I mean, I think that was going to be a bad— I, I think Vince knew that was a, a no-way-out situation there. Right. You know, I, I don't think he would have—I mean, he's not stupid. He's not going to do business with—that's going to be a bad PR look for him anyway, and I think fans would have turned on the WWE. Worst-case scenario there. It's a little bit more easier with Endeavor because everybody loves the UFC. But, you know, I, I just feel like everything was calculated, and, and I do at one point feel like, you know, maybe Paul Levesque's going to take this thing over. In a perfect world, yeah, Paul Levesque running creative, Stephanie McMahon running WWE. There was a, there was a little window there in June where everything was where it should have been. And then everything kind of got unraveled. The shows were feeling better. Raw and SmackDown were feeling great. We got pro wrestling back. SummerSlam was great. War Games. And then it's almost like after War Games, things kind of fell off a cliff. And it's like, really, what's going on? Nobody else sees the changes here. And I'm here preaching that, you know, things don't really feel the same. Matches are getting shorter. And things are kind of not making sense on TV. So in a perfect world, Paul Levesque and Stephanie McMahon, yes. Or... You know, even I would take this in a perfect world. Vince actually doing business and working with his son-in-law 50-50, and they come together as a team. Right now, it doesn't feel like a team. I just feel like it's Vince. The, the way I see it, it's Vince locked in his room writing creative. Triple H and locked in another room writing creative. And it's like, yeah, whatever the fuck it is, 50%, 50%. You would just throw whatever on TV. It doesn't feel cohesive to me. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I guess we'll never really know that um, until the shows start to really suck. I didn't think yesterday sucked, but I, there were some things that I didn't like. But to your initial point here and my question, I tweeted this three years ago that WWE would be sold at WrestleMania 39 and the first WrestleMania under the new umbrella would be WrestleMania 40. That prediction happened to be yeah. come true. And the reason I asked you this question, the reason I'm bringing this up to, every, to 2,166 watching now is thank you guys because the writing was on the wall at wrestlemania there were some the things that they were doing wrestlemania 37 um they're coming back from the covid stuff and then nick khan being brought on and all this the tv streaming deals and the rights everything was moving towards a potential sale now everything is done and the business side of wwe has never been hotter in the past five years i hope this is sustainable and we'll have to see what happens. Do you think what WWE is doing right now is sustainable? Yeah, I mean, I have uh, I have never felt more confident in WWE making money than I see what they're doing now. And, and WrestleMania already is the most lucrative WrestleMania WrestleMania forty that is the most lucrative WrestleMania of all time. We're not even we're not even there yet. We got eight months to go. I mean, I, I'm already thinking ahead about what WWE is going to do as far as the hype machine and getting the machine behind WrestleMania for that. Now with Endeavor you know, behind WWE as well, how that's going to add onto what is already great about WrestleMania and what new ideas that they bring to the table to make even more money that weekend for WrestleMania. I have no problem there. It's just, you know, with what I do and what I say and what, you know, my audience is, we're all about the creative aspect. That's the one thing that we're worried about. It's always Vince, 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 Vince. We want Paul, but we just don't trust Vince. That's the, that's the end-all be-all. And when we hear reports like we heard last night, and we saw the shit creative that we got on Monday Night Raw, it's very difficult to sit here and say, well, okay, is Triple H really in charge? I don't really think he's fully in charge. And, I, and like you said, I don't think he was ever really uh, fully in charge. Vince was always going to have uh, some sort of shadow looming over creative, and that's exactly what we felt. So that's the part I'm worried about. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I think the biggest thing to come out of this merger is that WWE is going to get more exposure, more eyeballs on yeah. different networks, channels, events that they had never even hoped and dreamed. I mean, when I watch Sunday football and I see a WWE ad for SmackDown on Fox, I'm blown away because when I was a kid, I never thought that would ever yeah. happen. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, you're going to start seeing uh, WWE uh, on uh, UFC shows now. You're going to see mm -hmm. cross promotion on, uh, like, I don't know what, when their next big show ESPN. is. ESPN. You know, ESPN. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's just fucking weird to live through. To see that type of thing, I didn't think we'd get there, but as far as the sale of the company, I, I do think that this was all pre-calculated. Yeah, and you want to know what's crazy, J.D.? Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Man, is Jimmy Uso a star? Uh, he's Man, I said, this, I said this last night when I talked about it. it. It is so fucking crazy how Jay Uso is on Monday Night Raw, and he just walks out. He's got this little thing with the fucking waving of the hands and the crowd. Man, that picture, that camera shot by Kevin Dunn last night was fucking just eye-opening to me. It's like you watch that and then you look at what Jimmy Uso is doing without Roman Reigns on SmackDown. It's like a tale of two fucking cities. Yeah, it's like the tale of two creatives. Jay's yeah. accelerating and Jimmy was a big star with his brother, but it seems to me like, is Jimmy a star? I mean, is he? I mean, they're, He is, they're putting but he's not the star. that Jay, Jay Uso is the cooler Uso. That's the problem. Well, he's the cooler Uso. I get that, but to me, it's like what... The tale of two creatives, and I get it. It's a story. I Trust me, I do, guys and girls who are in the chat. But for me and everyone watching, but for me, it's like Jay has produced 
and written so much better than Jimmy right now. Jimmy looks like the little bitch who, and I know it's a story who needs his backup and all this other stuff to me. I just, I don't know. It's, what do you think? it's um, you know what it is. It's the fact that Roman Reigns is not there. Like Jimmy, I, I, listen, I love the Usos. The Usos made the greatest tag team of all time. But when you have Jimmy standing alone on SmackDown without Roman, that to me, Drew, is like the Atlanta Braves benching Ronald Acuna for the rest of the season because they've already clinched a playoff spot. Like, why would you want to do that? It's like he's your he's the MVP more than likely of the National League. No, Mookie Betts is not winning it. No, sorry. Um, but that's like benching Ronald Acuna, bro, for for no reason. It's like WWE's benching Roman Reigns for no right. He's guaranteed vacation time. Fine, but they got to realize that without Roman there, their star guy is missing and everything else is suffering because of that. Like, what do you, what do you want him to do? What do you want Jimmy to do? Yeah. And it seems like, again, it seems to me like Jimmy is headed right back to the bloodline. And it seems like what they're starting to tease. And again, I wanted your thoughts on this because me and you don't talk about what happens uh, after the shows. You do your own review shows. It seems like the Judgment Day and the Bloodline are on a collision course, and I'm just hoping because what we've seen from Jay has been very good on Monday Night Raw. I hope Jay's not a pawn in all of this. I want Jay to do his own thing for a while, and I, if Jimmy and the Bloodline are going to take on the Judgment Day at a War Games, for instance, Survivor Series, fine. But I think Jay needs to be so far away from that. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I wish I had an explanation for you that made sense, and I don't want to sound like a dummy. I, I, you know, normally I'm a man of many words. I don't know where they're going with this. The only thing I could come up with is two things. One, you know, AJ's getting involved. I, I do think that they're setting up, I think, a Roman Reigns upon return feuding with AJ Styles. I, I, he's going to need opponents. I, I don't know what. He's got to defend the title. Who's he going to defend the title against? There's nobody on SmackDown that he's going to defend the title against. I know they teased LA Knight. They're not going to do LA Knight because that's just going to put LA Knight in a shit situation. So maybe they do Roman and AJ Styles in the interim and then they get Roman till. 2024, and then they start building to Cody. But it may look like, Drew, that they're setting up a three-way a three -way, uh, War Games match with the Judgment Day, the Bloodline, and the new Hurt Business. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know where Sammy uh, and KO and Jey Uso fit into all that. It's very, it's very convoluted. And the fact that they did this shit with Jimmy and Jay, and Jimmy's on SmackDown, and we don't, we don't know his real... You know, direction. It, it just feels like WWE's turning their wheels, and they don't—they don't really have a solid direction on where to go. Right, and that's what I'm saying. It seems like Jay is kind of integrated into this whole Judgment Day thing on Raw, and now we saw Jimmy get integrated into it too. And it's like, man, I hope they didn't just separate these two talents for this little bit to just have them go right back into the Bloodline to take on the Judgment Day at Survivor Series because I like what they're doing with Jay. And the Jimmy storyline might not be for me, but I kind of get it. Like, he can't function without the other members of the bloodline. And it almost well, seems well, like... He, he may be trying to sway Solo from the bloodline in the end. He may, he, may be, he may be trying to infiltrate the bloodline, take Solo away from Roman because he doesn't have his other brother to lean on. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just the tale of two Usos. Yeah. I mean, Jay, Jay feels like a megastar, and Jimmy does not. Well, the Jay the, the story on Monday Night Raw feels a little bit more natural as well. It's like... All right, they got that that shoe in there with him and Sammy and him and KO. They mm. did business at WrestleMania, and the easy story is: well, you're over here. We're supposed to accept you, but I don't fucking trust you. You got to earn your stripes on Monday Night Raw. There's a whole locker room that doesn't want you here. There's a whole locker room that doesn't trust you. And then 
if they're smart, that could play into people getting kind of resentful against Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes needs to be shipped to SmackDown, which leads to my next question. Who gets traded for Jay Uso? Because I do feel, and I think we talked about this last week, I, I still think okay. that Cody Rhodes is the number one guy because it's just a great tie-in for people to be, you know, not trusting Jay Uso, and then they're going to blame Cody for him being here because he continues to fuck up. So let's ship Cody away from Monday Night Raw because he was the problem all, all along by bringing Jay Uso here. I we're about um, like legitimately like what two three weeks into Roman's absence of yeah. SmackDown that's going to continue probably all the way through until November. Yeah, and everyone's always are already calling for Cody to go back or go to SmackDown because of the lack of star power, et cetera, et cetera, or meaningfulness on SmackDown. I cringe at this because if Cody goes to SmackDown, who fills that void on raw? Truthfully. I mean, you put Cody in any segment on Monday night raw and it's kind of almost must see TV. And he's done a lot of talking. He being Cody Rhodes, but when he's in a main event match or even the 10 o'clock, you know, segment the 10 PM segment, to really kind of like, you know, capture the audience so we can hook them till the 11 p.m. show close. I, I don't know who fills that void, J.D. I think I get it. Like, you got a big star in. Instead in, of it know, instead of it being one guy, it's going to have to be a team effort and a collective effort on Monday Night Raw. You know, I, it may work. It may not work. And I feel like with Cody going to SmackDown, the reason why I say this is because I'm in the camp of people who don't want to see Cody Rhodes win the Royal Rumble again for a second year in a row. Me too, but that doesn't mean that what we we're not booking for us. WWE, I mean, we are. WWE is not booking for us. So I agree with that point. But what I found interesting is that they have kept the judgment day together. And this is a little uh, nugget. They kept the judgment day together and they are brand both eligible now. All of them. Yeah. Because they're tag team champions. Dom's already been on SmackDown and Rhea shows up wherever the hell she wants. So basically the judgment day can go to both shows and appear on television. They're one of the hottest acts. So they don't need to send one of them over in the trade. They just broke up a, a tag team that is two major single stars. Do you see Sammy going to SmackDown or Kevin going to no. SmackDown? Why would you no. break them up? Well, because they've already done it, essentially, with them dropping the tag team championships. And Sammy is Jay's only ally on Monday Night Raw. If Sammy gets shipped to SmackDown, Jay's on an island all by himself. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, they're not going to, I mean, Sammy may be a possibility. They're not going to send Gunther over there. They're not going to break up Imperium, uh, Alpha Academy, none of those guys. Uh, it may end up being a Cody or a Sammy. Sammy's a Drew. possibility. Drew McIntyre, maybe, but I mean, that's kind of boring. I don't yeah. know. And, and it, it, to go back to your earlier question about who's going to fill that void, if they want to move Cody in the interim to SmackDown, uh, they'll be without Cody for October, November, December. We get to January. And I have been a proponent, a big proponent of Gunther winning the Royal Rumble instead of Cody. What if we start talking about L.A. Knight winning the Royal Rumble and him going to Monday Night Raw as that star? Because his star is going to be brighter in January. And L.A. Knight winning the Royal Rumble to challenge Seth Rollins for the World's Heavyweight Championship on Monday Night Raw. Would you think that would fill a, uh, a void le left by Cody? I mean, it would definitely fill a void, but here's what I'll say to this. Um, and no, I am not comparing the star power of the two. <laughs> Disclaimer, I am not comparing the star power of the two. When Stone Cold Steve Austin won the King of the Ring in 96, uh, his stock rose exponentially. And Stone Cold Steve Austin did not win his first world championship until March of 1998. That's two years. I would love to see LA Knight 
be a finalist in the Royal Rumble and lose to Gunther and then have him win the money in the bank in 2024 and cash in and win. And that's when he gets his first world championship. The, the contract, the devil is in the details. Shout out to MJF. The contract that LA Knight is going to sign, or if he chooses not to, then he won't get shit uh, in terms of a push. But once LA Knight signs that contract, we will start to see the official meteoric rise of LA Knight. But they're kind of holding back on that a little bit right now. Yeah, it could work in the opposite way, too. He signs the deal, and then they're like, ha, 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 we got you, and uh, we don't really give you your push. They'll just take it away from him. We've well, seen that before. That's why I sure. raised that question. Sure, and I think that's possible. But what I'm saying to you is that I think Gunther is your surefire bet that I would pick to win the Royal Rumble because him and Seth at 40, yeah. Gunther can destroy him. Gunther's stock has never been higher. Seth could take some time off. I've been hitting this. You know, I've been milking this cow for a while now. Seth is going to take some time off after yeah. WrestleMania 40. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but Gunther is the man to do that. Um, and then Gunther could run roughshod over Monday Night Raw all the way through SummerSlam. Yeah. And then, you know, LA Knight cashes in, and that's when we get it. Um, Cody and, and Roman are going to have a date. Yeah. And that date is WrestleMania 40. How we get there, I'm not sure. You know, Gunther is an interesting prospect. I mean, I'm for if you are asking me what I want as far as a Royal Rumble, and it's not too early to start thinking about this because it'll be here before you know it. Uh, I am going with Gunther to win the Royal Rumble. I would love, I, actually, I wanted him to win the Royal Rumble this year after lasting, uh, how long did it last? An hour and 10 minutes or something like that, an hour and seven minutes. Broke the all-time record. Longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. I mean, he's just fucking incredible. Um, I would love for him to win the Royal Rumble this year. I do think that's the match we're getting with Seth Rollins and Gunther. But the entire thing is with him holding the Intercontinental Championship, you know, where does he drop it? How does he drop it? Who does he drop it to? I know we're getting a fourth match Gable. match with Gable, but but when is it going to happen? Are they going to do it at Fastlane? I said so, this, I said this yeah. last night. I wouldn't mind him holding the championship until possibly the Royal Rumble. And then, you know, like the old days, open the show with Gunther and Chad Gable. Have Chad Gable earn a match at, you know, don't, don't just give him one. Have him get some wins. Can they hold off for another three months before doing the match? Open the Royal Rumble. Give him the IC title to open the Rumble. And then Chad Gable wins it. Gunther goes on to the Royal Rumble, wins the Royal Rumble. So it's almost as if, even though he lost the IC title, it's like he's kind of trading one for the other and kind of upgrading to the world championship. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the the um, it isn't the same story all the time. It isn't the same path all the time. But WWE, what they like to do with the Royal Rumble winners, both the men and the women, is kind of like hide them. Yeah. For like a month or two. They're not in high profile matches. They're not dominating people, et cetera, et cetera. They're kind of just there. They're still on television, but they're not uh, in big matches. They're not like dominating people. So I think Guther could lose that Intercontinental Championship at Fastlane or even Survivor Series. He still is very prevalent on television, but he, you know, is trying to re build himself back up. And Guther did have an excellent showing at last year's Royal Rumble, kind of made him a made man. Now they've already made him the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. He's very dominant. They could have him lose him being going through the championship on one of these pay-per-views, premium live events, and then build him right back up into your Royal Rumble winner and off to the races at WrestleMania. And then I saw a question in here. No, it does not look stupid if Gunther says to Seth Rollins, I want you at WrestleMania rather than Roman Reigns. Just because our perception is the right perception that Roman's championship is the championship in WWE, but that doesn't matter. I mean, when, um, man, I hate to use this person, but I will. Uh, nope, I can't use it. Let me try to think. Of. When Batista won the Royal Rumble, and the reason I didn't was because this was the person, the person I didn't want to say was the person who won the Royal Rumble 
a year before Batista, and you all know who that is, WrestleMania 20. Um, Batista won the Royal Rumble. He went after Triple H's World Heavyweight Championship, which was the prominent title at that time. But everybody still wanted to be WWE champion, right? So I, I don't see that being a problem. Gunther being like, I want the World Heavyweight Championship. Why not? You know? I don't. I mean, this is why I feel like they need to establish Cody before they make that decision. Because I do kind of agree with that. Like, you know, he should want to challenge Roman, but we know he's not going to. They could really kind of weave Gunther into saying that Rollins isn't a champion worthy of holding the championship. He hasn't defended the championship with honor or some bullshit that I'm sure they'll right. they'll spew with Gunther. But you know, they had Charlotte Flair challenge Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship right. after winning the Royal Rumble. What difference does it fucking make? Right, it doesn't. I think a lot of wrestling fans, unfortunately. Um, like read too much into that and rightfully so to a certain extent, but creative doesn't give a shit. They're just going with the matches they need to get to. And that's yeah. it. Do, do you think Gunther is outlived or outgrown, not outlived, but outgrown the intercontinental championship? Do you, yes. th do you think the championship is doing anything for him or is he doing more for the title? So like when Roman hit a thousand days, I thought there was a ticking time bomb. Truthfully, I was like, okay, well they're going to pull that championship off of Roman soon. Yeah. Where it happens and when it happens, who knows? I thought it would be SummerSlam against Cody didn't happen so clearly they have uh, a goal in mind they being wwe same thing with gunther they've made him the longest reigning intercontinental championship i think it's a ticking time bomb i think he has done more for that championship than any intercontinental champion has done in the past 15 years so now it's time to elevate somebody else with that championship that gunther has elevated by handing that person that title um in a match and i think chad gable is your guy to do that for and I think Gunther does that at one of these premium live events because Gunther um, has outgrown that Intercontinental Championship. In my, in my opinion, he needs to be a world champion. Do you think fans should be concerned if Chad Gable beats Gunther and wins the Intercontinental title, what WWE is going to do creatively with Chad Gable and that title? Uh, do you think that they should be concerned about WWE's direction? Because, you know, Gunther is a once-in-a-lifetime talent. They've, they've kind of flaked on Chad Gable every now and then, on and off with him. Is WWE to be trusted now that Gable's kind of ascending this height of popularity and in-ring work? If he gets the title, do you trust WWE to do right by him in the title? I think that's all on Chad and creative. Um, I think when you go from the talent that Gunther is to a talent that Chad Gable is, um, obviously, you know, kind of different, but almost very similar in terms of in-ring ability. I think it's a great passing of that championship. It's not like this, you know, this is no offense, but it's not like Gunther's dropping that championship to the Miz in no. terms of like match quality. Those matches for the Intercontinental Championship, Gunther's matches were always must see because of his talent and the absolute brutality at times that Gunther brought with his matches. So Gable's going to do the same thing. He's basically Kurt Angle light. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully they give us. What the community is asking you, for, a 30-minute Iron Man match. I would love to see that. Do you think that Guther's outgrown the IC title? Yeah. Uh, he's, okay. I mean, he's ready for, like I said, a Royal Rumble win, WrestleMania main event, a world championship. I'm ready to see it. I think Monday Night Raw needs a great villain world champion. I, I agree with you. You know? I agree with you. Um, shifting gears to SmackDown here, one little note here. Uh, we mentioned LA Knight's. Uh, are we setting up L.A. Knight and John Cena as a super team against uh, Grayson Waller and Austin Theory here? Is that uh, yeah. the mega push that uh, the fans are talking about as far as L.A. Knight is concerned? Yeah, I think L.A. Knight and Cena are going to have a tag match, and then I think there might be seeds planted for a singles match down the road. Oh, boy. Between John Cena and L.A. Knight. 
Well, there you go. I can't wait to start hearing the pe- the people say LA Knight is still buried. He's in the ring with yeah. John Cena. And I also think that Grayson Waller and John Cena might have a match together. I mean, Grayson is getting some insane rubs on his way to wherever they're headed. Edge and then Cena? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Monday Night Raw. We mentioned Nia Jax. The last image of the final Vince McMahon era Monday Night Raw was Nia Jax, bro. What did you think of this last night? Well, first of all, it's not the final. W- I, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. Vince is not going anywhere. So it's the final WWE. Well, with Vince McMahon owned- in control of the company. Yes. 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 Um, I think it's a lot to do about nothing. Um, I think that WWE knew exactly what they were going against. And, you know, I think what they were looking for is impressions and everything else on social media and Twitter. And they got it uh, with Nia Jax. Was it everything they could have hoped for? Probably not. Was it a miss for me? I want to see where they go with it. Rhea needs new opponents, um, JD. And whether or not, you know, we like Nia or, or we do, Rhea needs somebody else to beat. And Rhea's going to beat Nia. Um, and it's like, okay, how can, you know, this is an insurmountable object for Rhea. But Rhea's going to overcome this insurmountable object because she's the most dominant champion we've seen in a very long time for the women. And um, am I looking forward to seeing what happens? Not right now. But do do, we'll do you want to know what my problem is here with this? And you are correct. It's lazy. You, you, you are correct. You know, she does need opponents, but that falls mm-hmm. on the creative team to build up new talent for Rhea Ripley. My problem is that they find these quick fixes and think that's it. Oh, look, we, we solved the problem. No, that, that's not the case. You know, I, I mentioned last night that they could find time to bring Nia Jax to television, but we haven't seen Johnny Gargano in three months. They can find yeah. Nia Jax TV time, but... Drew, where is Candice LeRae? Why haven't they given any effort at all to any other woman? Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, Tegan Knox, Casey Cotton-Zaro, Caden Carr. I mean, there's so many women on that roster that with just a little tender love and care, a video package here, some fucking great matches, this and that. I mean, they could have some. Nikki Cross, they could have somebody, but they opt to bring back Nia Jax, who I feel like half the roster should take out an insurance policy because of what uh, her previous history was. I think, again, um, I think your point is valid. Um, I will say this. I think that, you know, we saw what Triple H would like to see Rhea do at Payback, and now I think we're seeing what Vince would like to see Rhea do at Fastlane. Yeah. So, 50, and 50 I agree. Point. Well, let's, hey, come on. Let's give me a little bit more uh, Raquel and, and Rhea. Why are we stepping away from this so quickly? What's going on here? Well, she's and not, Raquel's not ready. I mean, she's she's got the, char- get, she's got the charisma I mean, bro of a fucking, uh, plain white wall i mean give me a break i get that but i mean i think raquel could have had a, a rematch a second match with with Rhea. they didn't go that route they're going with nia Jax. you pointed about candace LeRae, um and some others yeah i mean if you want to talk about a damn good wrestling match yeah um but you know this is something that has been um cut and paste from WWE and vince mcmahon at times which is get me a monster and let her beat her or let him beat him so yeah. that's what well, I will say. I will say Nia Jax looked physically impressive last night. She looked she looked very good. So um, I'm not sure anybody's excited about the match, but uh, Rhea and uh, and Nia, you, you give them 10 minutes to have a, a big Haas fight for the ladies. It might not end up being that bad. I don't know. Yeah, I, listen, I I try and find positives in a lot of things, but I, I don't have one here besides no. Rhea needs new opponents. That's no. it. Sorry. That's it. It's just as bad on SmackDown, too. I mean, I don't know what they're doing over there, but whole different discussion for a different day. Chelsea Green is right there is a, is a comment here than to the 2097 watching. No, 
No, she's she's so good right now. Her getting squashed by her Rhea character is, work is not main event level. No, and what it is is it's it's very entertaining. It's yeah. an entertaining part of WWE TV, and I just I don't want that to be crushed by the most dominant women's champion that we've had in a, a long time. Yeah. That's the WWE side of things. Uh, I've, I've seen somebody mention Randy Orton. I mean, yeah, he. I mean, he could show up uh, on Monday Night Raw if Cody wants to go to SmackDown. I mean, Randy Orton on, on Monday Night Raw. I mean, I'll his take buddies that. in in some hot water again. So I know. Yeah, we won't touch that. I mean, I've already talked about that. But uh, yeah, you know, sucks that uh, Matt Riddle is such a, a promising talent. He's a gr- fucking great pro wrestler. It's just I wish I wish he had everything else in order. Well, he was still in the opening. To Raw, yeah. which is very telling to me. It just seems like they're probably going to tell Matt to cool down for yeah. a little bit. And I think that WWE sees the potential return in Matt. It's yeah. just, man, could you just stay here yeah. with us for a little bit? Yeah. Maybe Randy Orton being back uh, would be a good thing for him, you know? Yeah. So, uh, shifting gears to AEW, Drew. Uh, I know AEW has a few things coming up. We're uh, about a week and a half away from Grand Slam here in New York City, Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens. Uh, you read some news. I read some news today uh, about this show that uh, actually took me by great surprise. And a lot of fans online, oh, well, why are you complaining about AEW, man? I mean, there, there, there are obvious problems with the product. You got Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong in the finals of a World Eliminator Championship. I mean, I'm, f- I'm fine with that. I think, that's in- I think that's intriguing television. My problem is with the fucking tournament. I mean, Nick Wayne should not be in the tournament. I mean, he hasn't even yeah. been here for a half a cup of coffee, and he's getting a championship opportunity in a tournament? Come on now. You know, we really didn't even need the tournament, truthfully. You could have just had Samoa Joe, you know, continue to bully MJF and Roderick Strong be like, yeah. hey, it's my, it's my, I'm, let me get a chance at this, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm going to show Adam Cole. And they could have just had the goddamn match. It didn't need the tournament with these predictable matches. And I'm sorry, but Samoa Joe versus Roderick Strong, I'm not taking anything away from either of these gentlemen, but let find the WWE equivalent and tell me that this is okay for a world championship eliminated tournament. Well, I, you, I, the, you would shit all over it. I, I, I would. And, and you're not, you're not wrong about that. But the thing is, I do think that this presents an unpredictable opportunity because it could be Samoa Joe and it mm-hmm. could be Roderick strong. I think Roderick Strong's the right choice here going into grand slam because it ties into the stories better with MJF and Adam Cole and with wrestle dream coming up. I find, and it's, to go back to something you said a couple of weeks ago, you know, Samoa Joe and MJF doesn't really feel like a television main event. I feel like that's a, that's a pay-per-view main event. And we got Wrestle Dream coming up. Maybe they do it at Wrestle Dream. So if they go that route, JD, I I'm I'm all with you. There. Yeah. That's intriguing television. Um, but if they go a different direction and it's Joe and MJF at Grand Slam. Yeah. I think the story is Roddy Strong, but how do we get there? So yeah. I'm intrigued to see that. So to that point, I will agree with you. Um, but the others, like this being a, a, an okay match for a world championship or world title eliminator tournament, no. No, yeah, not that, for a final. Yeah, the, 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 the world title eliminator tournament. I'm okay with the, the world title eliminator tournament going into Grand Slam. I mean, I'm not going to pick and choose uh, what's right and what's wrong, but I do kind of like that concept for the Grand Slam show once a year. I just wish he kind of toned down on the fucking amount of tournaments we see all year. Uh, there was not enough star power in this tournament. It was way too predictable before we got to the finals. Uh, like I said, Nick Wayne and Darby, I mean, he's tying in other stories into a first-round match with people that shouldn't really be there. Darby just lost the Luchasaurus, right. and Nick Wayne is 18 years old. What the fuck does he have any business doing in, in a title tournament? So I, I did have problems with that, but, you know, 
the problem that lies with me, Drew, is Tony Khan lives for these tournaments and he lives for these open fucking challenges, man. I mean, fans complaining about the career of laziness. They have every single right to complain about the career of laziness that these open challenges are. It seems like there's one every week. And and I don't know if you watch Collision, but FTR now has a tag team open invitational. I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, it just seems as if like we can't get um, we can't build anything because it's here, there, and everywhere. And that's been my problem with AEW for a while is that I really want something to sink my teeth into. We had it with Punk and Starks. We had it with Omega yeah. and Takeshna. Uh, we had it with FTR and the Bucks. And now it's like, what do we have? We do have a lot with MJF, Adam Cole, Roddy Strong, and that whole thing. I'm That I'm invested in. But everything else on AEW television just seems like, Throw shit up against the wall and yeah. see if it sticks. I don't. I just. I don't. I don't see how that's sustainable. I don't. And well, what, what happened? What ha- what happened to to tag teams winning matches and then getting a shot at FTR and then building a story? Like what happened to AEW being the best wrestling company on the planet? Storyline wise, talent wise, they were the best wrestling company. All of a sudden, they abandoned their storylines. Besides a couple, and I'm sorry if if Tony watches this and and shoots somebody a, a DM or or quote tweets the show and says, you know, that's because you're not paying attention. I don't know where I need to watch then. Like I don't know the story from New Japan. I don't know the story from you know Rev Pro. You're having Daniel Bryan in a dream match at Wrestle Dream. Cool, I get it. But you already have this goddamn pay per view concept already. And I, 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 I applaud you for, for doing something for Inoki's memory. I, I, I love how passionate you are about the wrestling business. I love what you're doing for football and the Jaguars more, even though I'm a Jets fan. I have a ton of respect for you, Tony. But I don't understand why it seems like this is a, like, what you want to see, and we're getting dream match after dream match after dream match with no story, no build, and you have two forbidden door pay-per-views. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. Like, like, listen, I, I'm never going to complain about Brian Danielson wrestling anybody. I mean, Me I'll, I'll fucking watch him wrestle a fucking mannequin in the ring. I don't give a shit. Probably end up being a five star match. But I, I I agree. Like, this is a forbidden door match that was supposed to happen last year, but it didn't because of Brian's injury. Now we're getting it this year. So how am I supposed to differentiate from Forbidden Door in June and Wrestle Dream in October? Like, yeah, and it's like I spent money on Forbidden Door. I'm gonna spend money on Wrestle Dream. And granted, like Brian and Zack Saber Jr., great. Uh, I'm I'm here for it. We just saw Brian have a massive injury against um, who is it? Okada. Um, Okada, right? Um, at at a Forbidden Door. So it's like, I, what do the the purpose of Daniel Bryan is to give him his dream matches? Okay, cool. I get it. Like that's a wrestling fan's dream. I get it, but. I don't know, man. Like, use your pay-per-views to enhance storylines, further storylines. This is Forbidden Door 2.0. Well, he's, I, he said that he's not going to be taking any uh, criticisms from the online uh, brigade anymore because the pay-per-views always end up being great. And, and then we all look like shit because of our opinions for the week and week and week uh, weeks of build. So, Tony, Tony. you know, it, it, it's, it's like he's basically told, told us that the television shows don't matter, and he's booking it according to what... We feel they they don't matter. I that concept is is I'm at a loss for words. Bro, did you watch Collision? No, no. you didn't I, watch I, any. You didn't watch any part of Collision this week. No, 
Um, it was Saturday night. I, we had my twins turn five and then I went out, uh, with my wife on a Saturday night. Bro, I, can't, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you, man. I tweeted out an opinion about the fucking first hour of the show. I swear on my grandfather's grave, bro. It what reminded happened? me of it. It was AEW dark on Saturday night, bro. We got one hour of absolutely nothing. No storylines whatsoever. Besides Jade Cargill coming back, cry me a river. N- none of mm-hmm. it is important. And, and people were up my fucking asshole like, oh my God, give it a chance. It's still a great show. It's better than Raw. I'm like, what? what you, you just wasted an hour of your Saturday night watching wrestling that doesn't matter and doesn't have any substance. Bro, I swear to God, it reminded me of fucking Dark. Yeah, I don't understand so, the... Punk. Punk's influence, bro. Where, where did it go? Did it go with him? If that's the case? I, you know, I think uh, Danielson ha- is going to be like the savior of Collision now, and I also think that he has had a heavy creative. He being Brian Danielson has had a heavy creative uh, influence on that show. But I mean, Punk's star power is definitely missed on Collision. It'd be it's missed everywhere in AEW. But I will, you know, I'll say this: the whole concept of we don't need stories, um, continuations, and conclusions to our professional wrestling slash sports entertainment is asinine. I'm glad you're providing us with dream matches. Great. I get it. But how are we advancing our product? How are we building? You have nobody contending for the tag team titles. Realistically, you have a story within a story within the world championship. Ricky Starks basically is now an afterthought to a certain extent because he's not involved with MJF in that world championship. When MJF and Ricky would be a hell of a match, but realistically, there's no story there. Because well, I mean, Punk- the Ricky Stark storyline had to be abandoned because Punk got fired. Right, exactly. I mean, he was going after that world championship. Right, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, so I get it. You had to pivot, but again, the story could still be between Danielson and Starks, but they're already booking Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Bry- or Brian Danielson at, at Wrestle Dream. So what, is, is Starks going to interfere in that? But at that point, who gives a shit? I mean, seriously. You want to give us a couple of dream matches that wrestle dream. Cool. I get it's a tribute show, but I, then the AEW logo shouldn't be slapped on it. Realistically, no. it should just be like, Hey, this is a tribute show. AEW talent will be on it. It's going to be presented on pay-per-view and AEW production will do it, but we don't need to know the, the Terry Funk retirement show had WWF talent, uh, t- talent on it. The Brian Pillman Memorial show had WWF talent on it, I, but it wasn't storyline driven. It was a, you know, it was a Memorial show. And if that's what this is, then okay. But, you're you're making it's an AW pay-per-view now. They, I don't get they, it. They gave they gave John Moxley the international championship and they had him wrestle action Andretti on Saturday night, bro. And, and people were up and on, oh, it was a great match. I'm like, but it meant nothing. John Moxley's a world caliber fucking champion, and, and he's on the opening match wrestling a fucking Ring of Honor enhancement talent. Like, yeah. like you just gave this guy the second most important title from what we perceive in the company, and you got him wrestling open challenges every fucking week. Do better. Yet I'm the fucking villain, and I'm the bad guy because I complain. Then he's got his rental luchas out there every fucking week uh, against FTR, against the Bullet Club. I'm like, if I want to go watch Lucha Libre, I'll go watch fucking AAA. I mean, I don't need to watch AEWC this shit every fucking week. I don't know who these guys are. Yeah, and it's like, again, give me something I can sink my teeth into. That's what this is. It is basically like reading a book. Year after year, where we start at chapter one and we get to chapter 12 at the end of the year or whenever the wrestling year ends. And then that's the conclusion of that story slash, um, you know, uh, uh, a storyline. It's just 
to to continually throw shit against the wall and see if it sticks doesn't it doesn't work for me. It's turned me off to the product at times. WWE did it for a while. It was I'm like I'm not watching three hours of this slop. And truthfully, I mean, give me something. I want something. The MJF Adam Cole has me interested, but I didn't even see anybody talking about Collision on social media. So I was like, what the hell do I need to watch it for? No, I, I mean, I, I regretfully went live with it with Jesse on Saturday. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing wasting my time? If the first hour of television that they have, they can't even be bothered to book something with substance. No story. Yeah. And I see people, what if Mercedes Monet shows up at WrestleDream? Who gives a shit? Who, I mean, she showed, up at all, she showed up at All In. Who gives not, a fuck? That's, that's not a knock at Mercedes Monet, but what is she doing? Is she wrestling? Okay. And she ain't wrestling. I don't give a shit. But she, better, she should be on AEW television now if she's wrestling. Listen. You know, at the end of the day, there are a lot of problems, whether you want to admit them or not. There's a lot of problems with the AW product. They are fucking lazy and have gotten lazier uh, as the weeks go on. And I will I will pose this last question before we get into the Super Chats, because this is all I got on my side of notes, unless you got something else, man. Um, the creative. If AW had better creative to bring people to go out and buy tickets to these shows, man, their attendance figures here in the United States, after all, and have been dismal. What's going on with Grand Slam, man? You told me that. And I, I think it's like 5,500 people. To, uh, two years ago, bro, they did 20,000 people in that stadium. Now they got, what, 5,000, 6,000 people? And, and you yeah. told me something that was very, very fucking unbelievable as far as tickets for this show. Yeah, so we were in the green room, and me and you were talking, and you were like, no way. But AW is giving, and WWE has done this, so this is yeah. not like an, uh, something that's like groundbreaking. But they're doing two-for-one tickets. Um I don't remember the WWE ever doing this at Madison Square Garden. Maybe they did. I don't know. I'm sure there'll be some historian that tells me they have. Um, but, yeah, there are two-for-one tickets here for Grand Slam. WWE's done it with some pay-per-views before, too, that weren't selling well. But to your question to AEW Creative, before I get your thoughts on that, I feel like this is what AEW's creative has all over them. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. That's exactly what it feels like. They and got a whole fucking team of people. What are they doing? So what do you think of this two-for-one? Do you think the sky's I think it's falling? fucking pathetic. I think it's pathetic. It's New York, so. It's New York. I mean, then it poses the question, Drew, should they move Grand Slam out of New York? I mean, I was thinking, you know, while I was coming with the coming up with the notes and the whole bullet point thing for our show here tonight, I was on the train going to the gym, and I'm like, what if they did Grand Slam in the city in which the World Series winning team emanated from? Like, if, if the Braves win this year, right, then they do Grand Slam in Atlanta uh, next year or, or Houston. They do Houston uh, if the Astros win the World Series. Whatever the case may be. Why does it got to be New York? What, what is Grand Slam and why well, is it synonymous with fucking New York City? So the Grand Slam thing is tennis. It's it's for the U.S. Open. That's All right. What, well, yeah, well, let, what, what we say last week? Fuck tradition. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean... I listen. I love that building. I, I, How many of this audience watches fucking tennis? Really? Oh, I mean, I listen. I hear you. Um, what I'm saying is that I loved this concept. I praised it up and down. AW being an Arthur Rash. Here I am thinking it's fucking baseball. No, <laughs> they are the only entity that is allowed to get into that building besides tennis and the concert that coincides with tennis, the U.S. Open, which just concluded. It's a it's a big deal, but the past two years it's been very very well sold very very well, and the creative was fantastic leading into those events. This not so much. The show is not. Listen, if you want, the show is not that bad. If MJF is defending the title against Samoa Joe, 
you know, that's a major match. If it's Roddy, story is there. That sets up intrigue. Eddie Kingston versus Claudio for the Ring of Honor and never open weight championship. That's a big deal. Eddie mm-hmm. Kingston winning the Ring of Honor title in Queens in, in his hometown. That's a big fucking deal. Hopefully it takes place at that show and it's not on Rampage where it's taped and the spoilers are out and every, everything gets ruined for everybody. Jericho and, and Sammy Guevara, big time match. You know, I don't know if they're going to do a women's championship. Saray is going to be defending the championship against Tony Storm, probably. Uh, Jade versus Chris Statlander. They're doing Jericho and, and Guevara. At that was Grand announced Slam? on Rampage, yeah. Wow. Yeah, th- that was announced that. on Rampage for Grand Slam, yeah. Okay, I missed yeah. that. Because I don't watch Rampage, sorry. No, who, who does? Nobody does. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's not a bad show. It's actually shaping up to be uh, quite the show. Uh, I know there's something. Uh, we may get Swerve versus uh, Adam Page coming off of what happened on Dynamite. You know, so the matches are there, mm-hmm. but I mean, 5,000, 6,000 people after they did 20,000 two years ago, uh, is that a cause for concern, Drew? And is Tony Khan going to start making excuses about why this, why that, why it's still a great show and AEW's got the best in-ring wrestling anywhere? It's like, come on, bro. I mean, sh- shitty ticket sales are shitty ticket sales. Yeah, and they they did well uh, for full gear at the Kia Forum. So, yeah. I mean, we got to praise them there, but I think that's a market that they haven't really been no. in a ton. It just Seattle, seems as if, I mean, the Russell Dream's right. going to sell out. I mean, they got, the, I think, oh, yeah. a seating shot of 7,000. I think they're about 80% away there. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, it's just, you know, they're going to have Saraya defend her championship. They're going to have MJF defend his championship, both at Grand Slam. And the card is is shaping up to be very, very good. But, I mean, realistically, the ticket sales are abysmal because uh, there's no storyline heading into it besides MJF and Adam Cole and yeah. possibly Roderick Strong. So... Um, I, I'm surprised that Jericho and Guevara are going, they're going one-on-one. They're going one-on-one with the reason that they got to beat the shit out of each other to get back on the right track so that they may win the tag team championships. Okay. I mean, I, I, I don't hate that. Okay. It All works. Right. I mean, yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, you got to have Jericho on that card. So you do. That was uh, the first uh, pay-per-view uh, that Jericho wasn't on was all out since AW's inception. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, if it's, if AEW, this is the same thing with WWE. I said, you know, with all the years I talked about, you know, why is the stock $50, $60 a share and blah, 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 before they hit their, uh, what were they at now? $110 a share or whatever, whatever yeah, it is. 103, yep. Um, you know, if the television product was better, then the stock prices would be better. The people would pay to go see the show live. People would buy more merchandise and yada, 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 so on and so forth. Same thing now with AEW. If the creative was better, I don't think these attendance figures and these, these attendance numbers would be this dismal. Like, it, it, it's all a perception about what you put on television. If you're going to constantly give us dream matches and sell your company and these shows on dream matches, they could sit home and watch this shit. They don't need to go to the fucking venue to be a part of history. And you literally just stole the words, right? The question that I was going to present to you and the words that I was going to say, you literally took them out of my mouth. There is a problem with AEW because they are presenting dream matches and the dream matches will only sell for a short amount yeah. of time before it becomes what is the story yeah. and how, what's the finish and where are we going tomorrow? Why AEW is just like, here is the dream match that everybody wants to see while they just watch it on television. Why, why is SAP every week reporting Biggest market in so-and-so for WWE for SmackDown. And this was going into WrestleMania, going into SummerSlam, Money in the Bank. You know, why is SmackDown doing the highest rating that it's done since the first year that they joined the Fox network? 
And it's I, because I, of the story that the yeah. bloodline was. People were coming out to be a part of that live. You know? That, yeah, and that's, I want, that's what sells. I want to say this. Um, the WWE attendance figures, like selling-wise, like the, the highest grossing, they are not lying. I look at that stuff every day. I'm in that business. Mm -hmm. So WWE has been selling very well for Raw and SmackDown. The NXT pay-per-views, eh. But still, um, AEW has done well in some markets. London, obviously, being one of them. Um, the Kia Forum for Full Gear, another. Yeah. But their shows, attendance shows recently uh, for tickets-wise have not been good. And again, I think that's to your point. WWE has really invested in their creative stories. And AEW has relied on giving you the best possible matches with no story. Besides MJF and Adam Cole. Do you think they'll start taking risks and visiting new markets or maybe booking smaller venues? I mean, Tony Khan's booking these huge fucking venues and then selling out, you know, three-fourths of it, maybe, you know, two, two, you know, half of it, and then blacking out the rest of it. Like, maybe you should run smaller venues? I mean, yeah, WWE went through this, too. I mean, WWE did go through a point where they could not sell. I, I was at the Excel uh, Energy Center here in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I've said this a couple times on this show. It was a Monday Night Raw. I want to say it was December, maybe January. And they had like four, 3,000 people in there, 3,500. Yeah. And that place holds 18, 19,000. So, I mean, it was bad. But again, maybe don't visit that market in January, WWE. And they haven't. They were here. They've come here time and time again in August um, and July. So, I think AEW Raf is Rafi Morphy is so very smart with the buildings he chooses because they can still say they're from Chicago or they're from New York when they're not really like in that building that cost them a billion dollars. But I I think they might need to go a little smaller. Yeah. 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 Anything else on your run, man, that you want to talk about? Anything uh that we might have missed before no. we get to super chats? No, I, I just, you know, um, I, you know, I, I think that AEW needs to fill. I, what, how do you fill the void of CM Punk? Um, obviously, was missed on Collision. What is your direction with that? Where do you see them going? What do they have to do? Does Edge help? Adam Copeland. Does, Edge would help. Mercedes would help. You know what would help, and what I want to see them do. And I'll end with this on my end. Um, collision on Saturday night felt like fucking Dynamite 2.0. To me, that's a mistake. You know, the, the whole selling point for Collision was that. Shit, this show feels different than Dynamite. Dynamite's a little hectic. Dynamite's at, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour. And Collision was doing 60-65 in the fucking right lane doing the speed limit. And it fucking delivered every single week. I, I thought it was the best pro wrestling show uh, up until the last few weeks on television. It's still a good show, but it cannot be booked similar to Dynamite. It needs to stand on its own. I feel like the separate rosters or the soft brand split that they did help them tremendously. I think the show could benefit from watching talents over there that you don't see on a Wednesday night because of the overwhelming vast roster that Tony Khan employs. I want to see, I want to, I want to go out of my way to watch a Saturday night and see a Malachi or see an Andrade or see, you know, a Brian Danielson and then not have them show up on Wednesday night. Otherwise the fuck are we doing? I mean, it's just, everything's going to start to feel the same at that, at that point. So I do think that they need to keep collision feeling very different from dynamite. I agree. I think that is, and, and they could sign whomever they want, yeah. they being AEW, but if you don't make the shows feel separate, never going to work. No. I agree. Guys, that is all we got for you on this Tuesday night. I know uh, you guys have uh, 
whatever you got going on. You may be watching NXT. You may be uh, getting ready for work tomorrow, but we appreciate the over 2,100 in here on a Tuesday night, man. Loving the growth on Tuesday nights. I know the last couple weeks have been major with stories. We got WWE sold to Endeavor. We got CM Punk, so hopefully we got, uh, you guys can you know, continue to show up on Tuesday nights. Uh, Drew and I really appreciate it. Uh, hit that thumbs up. We got 728 likes. I'd love to see as close to 1,000 as possible. Super chats are open. We're going to get into them in just a second. Memberships are open, and you guys can follow uh, Drew and I on social media. He is at Andrew Baydala on Twitter, and I am at, at JD from NY206. I want to say thank you to the 2,000. It was 2,000 strong in here for yeah. a good, like, 45 minutes. Yeah. So that's that's a good retention, and I want to say thank you to everyone who was sitting in here listening to us talk uh, about professional wrestling sports entertainment, the 2,000 of you. Thanks. Uh, Matthew in the chat, Edge isn't going. How do you know? I mean, do you uh, do you uh, converse with Adam Copeland on a, on a daily basis to know his business? I mean, I think now more than ever is the time that Adam Copeland and Edge would jump over there. Yeah. Be- I mean, I know him and CM Punk are... Uh, I believe they're friends, but I think I think the time is now. Three of his best friends work over there. Why not? Right. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Battle with a 499. I feel that Triple H will end up back in NXT while Vince assumes all power back. I can see everything going back to the way it used to be, but much worse. I mean, would that be a bad thing? I mean, Triple H running NXT again? No, I- but I mean, Sean's there. Sean's, I mean, Sean's not really, I think Sean throws shit. You know, we, we talk about Tony Khan throwing shit at the wall, hoping it sticks. Shawn Michaels is, is exactly that. I mean, he does exactly the same thing with NXT. At times, yes, you're 100% right. Phantom with a Canadian 100 in Super Chat. He simply says, cheers everyone with a beer emoji. Thank you, brother. Thanks, dude. Appreciate, Appreciate you, man. Paul David with a 20 months. He says, Aaron Rodgers out for the season with a tuna killer. Thank you, Paul David. We old news now. Yeah, you are. Hey, Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I canceled my flight to Dallas this morning, and I was supposed to go to Dallas to watch the Jets play the Cowboys in Dallas. Shout out to Blake. We were going to go to the game. I canceled it this morning, and uh, this show is exactly what I needed to kind of move away from that. As crazy as it sounds, and a comment like that, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> insensitive paul he also says with with a $20 super chat jd your thoughts on the mlb postseason picture so far and again aaron Rodgers' season ending surgery i feel for the jets fans because i would never want that to happen to me paul and the mlb postseason picture right now uh the most unpredictable games all year uh i, I don't know it'll probably end up being the braves and dodgers in the nlcs which uh the braves have handed the dodgers a tough time this year, but uh, as far as the American League, I'm going with the Texas Rangers. Mm. Yeah, Texas got to get back in it, but they've been playing. They've been playing well, four wins in a row. I'll give them that. And your Braves are in, so yeah, 94 wins, I believe, before mm-hmm. tonight. I don't know what they're doing. Tonight I like Baltimore, Philly. man. I really do. I think yeah. Baltimore's sneaky. Yeah, we'll see. Everybody says Baltimore's going to be a problem. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll worry about them when I get there. Uh, Corey Williams with 13 months. I'm excited about the WWFC TKO holding group. Well, I mean, if you're a stockholder, sure. I got rid of all mine. I think I kept maybe like two or three shares, but I mean, I had had that stock since it was $20 a share. So oh, you I sold did. it all off, huh? Yeah. You know, I, with that, this is not a financial podcast or show, but um, when mergers like this happen, some things, you know, 
They could either really yeah. shoot to the moon and I'm going to look like an idiot, even though I made a good amount of money, or I'm going to look, you know, like a genius. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Corey, thank you, brother, for 13 months. John, 10 with three months. Thank you, man. Uh, Michelle Moran with $2. No one Vince Fastlane will be payback rematches. I mean, I would love to know what Cody's doing at Fastlane. Does anybody know what Cody's doing? Or, or are we getting Dominic Mysterio again? Ridiculous. Ridiculous what happened, what's going on with Cody. And I said after that Brock Lesnar match, WWE had a unique opportunity, yep. and I feel like they fumbled that. By the way, Max Scherzer is hurt. Oh, well, there you go. Everybody's hurt. Will Chisholm with a final Super Chat. Nick Khan answer to the CM Punk question was saying no answer because we might bring him in, but we don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah, he danced around it, and he, he should have. Definitely open-ended. He's not going to... Nick Khan is not the type of guy that's going to give you anything of substance in any of these interviews. I think you guys should know that by now. Uh, RDG with a 499. With the merge being official, is Las Vegas a top bid for WrestleMania in the near future? I'll let you handle that yeah. one, man. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. I think uh, WrestleMania is coming to Minnesota. That'll be fun. And then I think I think Vegas is an absolute uh, option for them. And I also think I would watch Atlanta. Um, and I think they're headed back to New Orleans pretty soon, too. See, I would like that because I've never been to New Orleans before. Oh, God. You want to know what's great about New Orleans? I went to both WrestleManias in New Orleans, and I will say that it's such a good host city. It really is. It's such a good... It's perfect for WrestleMania. Everything's within walking distance if you want to walk if you stay close enough the food the atmosphere everyone parties on bourbon it's a good time man what are those uh what are those drinks that uh what was that bar that john taffer rescued that's got the light up skulls or or grenades yeah me and labar hosted a show there it was fun time it was good time uh johnny cloud thank you uh man 24 months officially secured my golden mic keep up the good work guys thank you brother 24 months is a very long time here. I appreciate you. Bradley with a 199. Why is Nia Jax back? Why? I don't know. Maybe they're trying to butter up Dwayne. I don't know. Ooh. Good call. Yeah. Uh, El Mase with a $10 super jet. Hiring Nia Jax is a genius move by Vince. Don't need to book a women's division if they're all crippled or dead. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I yeah. need to laugh at that. That was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Uh, fans are crazy, man. Uh, Lord J. Coyle with 23 months. Incredibly unlucky for Rodgers to get injured in his Jets debut. Are you worried, Drew? Yeah, fucking worried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Is yeah. the sky blue? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm worried. We invested all that money. I'd say we like I'm on the team, but I mean, yeah. And uh, you know what? This is the Zach Wilson redemption tour. So if Zach's going to prove himself, he's going to do it now. But yeah, man, I'm worried. I mean, you talk about the atmosphere at MetLife, him running out, Aaron Rodgers with the 9-11 flag, blaze, uh, the American flag on 9-11, blasting ACDC. Yeah. In that, the, and 83 strong. That place was legit sold out. Not WrestleMania sold out. Legit sold out. It was wild, and then it ended in fourth place. Is his career over? It could be. He's very spiritual, yeah. and he could take this as a sign. He being Aaron Rodgers, yeah. it could very well be. Uh, Devin with a $5 super chat. JD, I need your help, bro. My brother kneels back to the Keystone Light. Don't know what to say to him anymore, or should I just fight him? OTS for life. Well, I mean, mean, if he wants to drink Keystone Light, bro, I mean, you can't really change people on drinking shitty beer. They're going to drink shitty beer. I can sit here here and give you craft beer uh, recommendations, but that doesn't mean he's going to go out and try them. Hey, man, in this economy, everyone's got a budget. 
If mm-hmm. Natty lights his budget, then Natty lights his budget. Listen, man, I'm the only one that f- I'm the only sucker that goes and buys a, a fucking 750 milliliter bottle at 19.99. You know, I could yeah. get a whole fucking 30 pack of pa- uh, Pabst for what? Eight bucks? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I'm a tequila uh, connoisseur, but if we're drinking beer, give me some ice cold Miller Lights. That's not bad. I could deal with that. Uh, Christopher. Uh, Casillo with a new membership. Thank you, brother. Miles with a four ninety nine. What are both of your early predictions for the final four in the Royal Rumble and winner? Mine is Gunther, Ooh. Cody, Jay Uso, and L.A. Knight. Gunther wins. That's pretty. That's a pretty solid one, Miles. Oh, I thought that was you. I was like, damn, JD, that was quick. Good. Yeah. So he okay. I'm gonna go with Gunther, Cody, L.A. Knight, and CM Punk. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll go AJ Styles. That's that works. Uh, you, you got a good three out of the four miles. I'm going with Gunther in the end to win the Royal Rumble. Mohammed with a $5 super chat. Questions for both of you. Do you think Gunther got robbed of the Rumble this year? No. I mean, he lasted an hour and seven minutes. I mean, I, I would I would find that to be robbery. When Cody came out at 30, he was, I mean, and we knew it. Yeah. But, I mean, I you could tell he was winning that Rumble. Yeah. Uh, Michelle with a $2 super chat. Should they turn Rollins heel or stay a baby face? No, he's going to be a baby face, and he's going to lose to Gunther and then go away for eight months. Yeah, he's got to go away and, and get that whatever he's going to do to get some uh, help alleviating the pain in his back, which yeah. they've made a storyline now. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Brewer with a 999. In my opinion, AW will suffer from a lack of storyline and relaying on dream, uh, relying on dream matches. Plus, you run out of dream matches eventually, so you need storylines. Indeed. Agreed. Indeed. I wish Tony I wish Tony knew that. I feel like Kai and Ty. Indeed. Yeah. Um... Deontay Smith with a 499. Move collision to Thursdays and keep the soft brand split. Saturday night is brutal against WWE pay-per-view, college football, UFC, etc. Well, they actually didn't do too bad against college football this past Saturday. Uh, from what I read, it's the WWE pay-per-views when they do happen that's actually killing them more than anything else. And they're not running Thursdays because the NFL's on Thursday nights now. Tony yeah. doesn't like to run against the NFL. No. Uh, Jim Cornette, 199, he says, Corny dissed you. If I'm being mentioned, you? if I'm being mentioned by Jim Cornette, you know I'm doing something right. You were he dissed you. Apparently that's what the super chat said. Yeah. If you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. Yeah. Uh, MGM balling with a four ninety nine. Great show as always, gentlemen. This question is for Drew. If the Jets sign a vet quarterback, who would you like slash think they would get? Okay, so who I would like is not coming here, uh, and that would be Tom Brady because Tom's going to stay retired and a uh, minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders because Tom could legitimately help this team win. What the problem is with the Jets right now is, um, and I'm going to sound like a giant football nerd here, but it's one of my passions. The Jets hired Rodgers' offensive coordinator. They hired Nathaniel Hackett. Hack's system is very different than any other system that you run. It's basically you get to the line of scrimmage and you figure out what's the defense is coming at you and then you adjust at the line of scrimmage. That's what Rodgers is. He's a wizard at it. The only person that's going to be able to do that right now is Zach Wilson because Zach has been in the building and Rodgers will teach Zach. There is no veteran that's coming off the street and going to be able to run or throw well in this offense. Um, you could go get a Wentz or somebody else, but it's not going to work. Hopefully that answered your question, Ballin. Uh <laughs> Sue Childress with a $5 Super Chat. JD, tell Drew I know how he feels about his quarterback. JD, you must be feeling better. Great show. Going to bed, got dialysis in the AM, OTS for life. You guys are the best. Thank you, Sue. We appreciate you very much. 
and Eclipse 676 with a 499. Was at WrestleMania in New Orleans. It was an outstanding visit to a great city. You would love it, JD. I know I would love it. You would. The drinks, the food, everything was good, man. That is, uh, that is everything, man. Any uh, closing words before uh, I hit the uh, closing theme here? No, I think it sounds ridiculous, but um, and like very um, childish, I would say. I don't have the right words, but I needed this show tonight after what happened last night. So thank you, guys. Thank you, JD. Uh, you're welcome, man. Anytime. And thank you guys for joining us on Tuesday night. We'll see you right back here next week. I don't know what's going to be the major story next week, but we'll figure something out, man. And we thank you for the 2100 plus in here tonight. Follow us on social media. JD from NY206 at Andrew Baydala. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications and make sure you guys hit that thumbs up on your way out. I will see you live tomorrow night with Jesse right here for the AEW Dynamite post on Off the Script. And Drew and I will see you next week. Thank you, guys. Come on, come on.